Vix the Convince. Welcome to the Vix the Convince podcast. Here's your host, NewSpark founder, Paul Mosenson. Hey, it's Paul Mosenson. Welcome to the podcast. Today, my guests are the founders of 3D2B, a global outsourced inside sales lead qualification provider for companies in the high-tech B2B arena. Jeff Coulter is the CEO and co-founder and has been in the high-tech marketing and sales industry for over 25 years. Sabrina Farioli is the VP of sales and also the co-founder, and they are based in Italy as well as Florida. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Sabrina. Hey, Paul. Hi, Paul. How are you? Great. How are you guys doing? Good. Doing good. good. Great to, uh, to be on. Good, Absolutely. good. Great. Well, today we're talking about something very specific here in this marketing optimization lead generation realm, which is lead qualification and lead management and what happens after someone fills out a form on a website or a landing page, right? And, you know, they could be downloading guides or free consultations, whatever it is there's an inquiry that occurs on a website due to marketing, SEO, however they get there. And the question companies battle with, as you guys know, is what do we do next, right? And- um, Absolutely. Yeah, because as you know, there's all different kinds of leads and how to qualify. You have inside sales like you guys do and nurturing and, why don't you guys uh, go into a, a little bit of dialogue about what what happens next in your experience based on the kind of lead that comes in and and um what happens sure sure yeah paul so so there are a lot of different types of leads that come in so let's just uh, focus on the leads as you mentioned that come in from people downloading white papers and so forth so those really aren't people that are asking for information but they're usually gated content in the sense of uh, there might be a white paper that they're interested in and to get that white paper they have to fill out a form and then that form comes in as an inbound lead so if we look at those and specifically at those most of those people aren't necessarily um, at the bottom of the funnel ready to buy they are uh, in the process of first learning about different solutions or might just be interested in solutions so you have to try to weed out the ones that are just interested in the topic and try to figure out which ones are really in the buying cycle and, and looking for a solution. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it, it, it's, it's a qualification process. Um, do you feel that when you talk about prioritization, um, how do you, how do you figure that out? I mean, there's a lot of salespeople that are hungry and, but in this day and age, these leads usually go to marketing automation first, right? Or it does depend on the model of whether leads should go to a, an email program versus going right to inside sales for qualification. And does that depend on the, just the company strategy and how you guys define what happens with those inquiries? 
Well, it really, it really, in my opinion, depends on the size of your sales team and also how many leads are coming in. If you have thousands of leads coming in and your sales team cannot handle uh, all the leads coming in, then you have to work out some sort of lead scoring process and putting them into a nurture process to see which ones actually re-engage and, and want to download additional content and potentially give you additional information for you to then decide that that is a viable lead to follow up and give to your sales team. If you don't have a lot of leads coming in, then of course, you know, you want to keep your salespeople engaged. So they're going to go after everything that comes in from the website. And then of course, once you define what kind of what kind of information you've captured from those leads, from those forms, from those contact us forms or from that activity, then you can take it through an actual defined lead qualification process, whether it's internal, whether the client wants to do it internally with their inside salespeople or their salespeople or their internal um, call centers, if you will, or whether they do it externally with a company such as ours, that's then defined through um, lead criteria. And this would be something that is actually done during the conversation with the prospect to then use the uh, initial information captured from the contact us forms, right, from the inbound activity, you then enhance that with the actual engagement to the prospect via telephone and you go through a series of questions, which can be anything from BANT qualifications. So of course, you know, why did they go to the website? Why did they download that white paper? What are they looking for? What are their pain points? What is their existing infrastructure? Why would they be interested in these types of products and solutions? Um, is their company currently evaluating a purchase or a a project, uh, what are the timeframes, what kind of budget could they allocate, and those are all things that we like to call uh, lead qualification questions. Of course, behind that, you can have a matrix, a scoring matrix, and then that would trigger whether or not, for instance, our agency would pass that lead, qualified lead at that point, because we, we should have captured all of that information, um, to a relevant salesperson to then engage either in a face-to-face -face or in a WebEx or in a conference call. Right. Yeah, you know, we talk about leads and, you know, to be actual, when I talk about that, you know, the word lead is pretty broad topic, right? Fast, but, right. You know, I usually, I mean, to be honest, right, you know, when you talk about the, the waterfall and the funnel, I mean, we're really talking about inquiries, versus real leads right and um you know people like to call them leads that come in i i guess it's kind of how you want to name them i guess right absolutely sometimes you can you know it, it, every company and every marketing team and sales team has different terminology for um what they call a lead some call it marketing qualified leads. Sometimes they call them sales qualified leads. Sometimes they just call them leads. Sometimes they call them inquiries. Sometimes they call them uh, all different names. Uh, if they have a list of people that went to an event or a show, then they call them leads. In, in a very open general term, it's just people that you're looking to go after that potentially could purchase your solution. But even that is a broad statement because some people and some companies might not even be able to, uh, the, the solution that you have might not fit their environment or the size of their company. So, you know, 
you really have to start um, diving into the qualification of the leads that you have to be able to see which ones can actually potentially purchase a solution at the end. So you might look at the size of the companies, you might look at how many employees they have, what their revenue is, how many locations they have, depending upon your, the, the solution, um, that would determine what the criteria is, at least the minimum criteria for you to say, is it a viable prospect to go after or not? Yeah, that's a good point. I want to get back to what Sabrina was speaking about earlier with qualification. And actually, I was going to mention something about the web form, which is, I'm starting to understand this now and for the audience here about a strategy, whether it comes from the top sales or marketing, when you talk about qualification, I get it when there's multiple fields on a web form where they start asking questions, your budget, um, what role you're in, all these items, because they want to qualify those people on the form so they can separate those inquiries, I guess, on their CRM, which ones are more likely to be quali you know, marketing qualified leads, right, um, versus just names. Um, well the challenge that we have is that a lot of companies really don't capture that much information on these web forms. A lot of companies really just go after um, basic fields, name, obviously, email address, um, job, title, company, and, and sometimes nothing more than that. And a lot of times you also get a lot of leads that end up being like we like to call inbound Mickey Mouse leads because you don't know that that's a viable prospect, somebody with a budget and, and willing to make a, a, a purchase. It could be a student, it could be a uh, um, it could be a solution architect, it could be somebody that's just interested in the technology but not in the purchase. So we try to encourage our clients to get as much information as they possibly can on that web form because then they can really sort out the volume and the value, right? They can sort out how much is just leads with no viable understanding of a potential sales in the future and which is actually someone that is, is, has the purchasing potential um, and sales should go after that. So a lot of times these companies get thousands of these leads inbound um, and sometimes they rely on content syndication and other resources to get these leads, but there's no information. There really is no information to indicate whether they are a viable prospect in terms of actually making a purchase and what their purchase is going to lean towards. What are they looking for? Uh, how big? Uh, is it feasible? Some of the things that Jeff touched on before. So what we try to do is we try to come in and support these clients with actual, con actual conversion of just a lead, a generic inbound inquiry into a qualified appointment that is worthy of a sales engagement. So we try to fill in that white space, if you will, of what is just volume, and how do we move that volume with a set of targeted questions pertaining to the client's product, market, sales value, sales cycle, uh, all of that to get them to turn into a, a, a value lead, which is a qualified opportunity as we see it here at 3 d to b And then you also have to take a look at the psychology behind uh, lead forms. So a lot of times, the more fields that you put in and the more questions that you put on a, on a form for gated content, uh, you have to understand that the people are going, when they're downloading a piece of content, 
they're going to look at that form and say, okay, do one, am I really looking to be contacted? Because they know what's going to happen after they fill out that form. Do I want to be contacted by sales? And if the answer is yes, they're going to fill out all that information perfectly and correctly. If they are just in the early stages of identifying whether they're in the buying cycle or trying to figure out which solutions they might be potentially interested, but they don't want to be engaged by sales. They're probably in the most, most of the time going to lie on those questions. They're going to put their number of employees much smaller than they are. um, Usually the minimum number they're going to put their revenue as small as the, the value allows you to put, they're going to put the values that they know will not trigger somebody to contact them only when they're really viable. Will they do that? I hear you're giving away secrets now. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and this is the reason why you have, you know, so, so many leads that come in. You don't really know. You know, you can put the, 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 the gated material up there, gather the information, but until you actually engage them in a conversation and really qu- try to qualify it as a potential opportunity, just from a form, you can only take it so far. For sure. Let's talk about qualification again, because Sabrina mentioned BANT, and I'm not sure, hopefully most people here know what that is, but can you explain that a little further um, as far as those definitions? And Sure. So BANT basically is an acronym for budget. So of course, when you're speaking to a, uh, a, potential, a potential customer, potential prospect, you want to make sure that there's potentially a, a budget. Uh, A is for authority. So you want to make sure that you're speaking to someone that has decision-making power. Uh, or is an influencer within the, the company. Uh, need, N is for need, so that they actually have a need for the product or the solution in their, in their company, um, that it can fit with their existing infrastructures, that it could potentially take away some of those pain points that they're currently facing. And T is for time frame. So of course, you want to, depending on the, the solution or the product of the client, you want to make sure that the um, potential investment or the potential interest for this prospect in purchasing uh, is within six months, nine months, 12 months. Of course, the greater the sales value of the product or the solution, then the longer the time frames. You know, there are different things that trigger that. Um, but that's basically what BANT stands for. It's budget, authority, need, and time frame. Are there any of, of those four? Is there any more important than the others? Are they all um, equally weighted? Do you think? Well, absolutely. The need is the most important. Um, if you can identify that there's a need, whether you're speaking with the proper person or not, um, if the company has the need, then you can always identify who the who the right person is within that company. Um, of course, when you talk talk to a sales guy, they want to make sure that the budget is there, right? Because most sales guys don't want to go chase a qualified a qualified lead unless they are really certain that there's a budget there. Because sales guys just really tend to, you know, want to fill their pipeline with short term opportunities that they know are going to close. Um, but every salesperson in every market is different. Uh, we have also the fortune of working in. Uh, with global markets. So we work with, you know, sales organizations all around the world. And, you know, an American salesperson will be very different with bank qualification and lead qualification than maybe a salesperson in Europe. And maybe a salesperson in Europe will be very, very different in terms of how they engage also. 
um, than a salesperson in the Middle East. So there's also cultural differences there, but for the most part, there should be a viable sales opportunity. So need is very important, as Jeff said, because then that makes the case for really diving into the client's product and solution. And uh, budget is always a great thing to have. And of course, when we ask that question, we don't ask for confidential or sensitive information from a company, but we'd like to get some understanding of a potential range of budget to just make sure that it could fit with the needs of the, that it could fit with the actual costs of the, of the solution. Let me get deeper into the weeds on this because I've seen this kind of thing and a lot of companies probably grapple with it, as you know, which is people who might download content, you know, whether you call mid funnels, problem solving content like we do, is uh, they may not be the authority, right? They could be just managers just interested in reading something or something that they're starting to do some research on behalf of their company. And then you're spending a lot of time trying to qualify that person, and, but he's not the decision maker. So why don't you talk a little more about that, about how to engage with a decision maker? It's probably somewhat in the account-based marketing, but can you go into that a little deeper when the person someone's speaking to is not the decision maker and how to engage those people? Yeah, absolutely. So, so you're right. It, it is, it does bring us into the direction of account-based marketing. So if you have a, a, a lead that comes in or someone that downloads a piece of content and they're not necessarily a decision maker, then at least now you've identified potentially a company and that's really who you're selling to. You're not selling to the individual. So we're not selling B to C, we're selling to a company. So if you've identified a person in a company that's doing research for their company and they've, they, their company has a need, then of course that's a, a, a door opener into that company. So if the person, uh, even if they're not a decision maker or influencer, if they were uh, tasked to do some research for the company, of course, engaging with that person, you can identify what the company's needs are and then scope out what and who the decision makers are within that company. And you can do that directly with the contact um, over the phone, trying to understand um, who gave them the initiative or what role in the company gave them the initiative to uh, look and do the research. You can do that through tools to understand um, using, for example, uh, LinkedIn or um, some database tools or for smaller companies, you can look in uh, DMB to see who the managing directors are and who the uh, owners are and the C-level uh, people are. So you can identify, depending on the, uh, the department that the solution would be uh, for, you can identify who the potential decision makers are and you can network through, through them. It sounds easier said than done, right? Because then you're uh, communicating to someone who is not a potential lead, even though the company has been identified. So you're, you have to find ways to engage with them through social or even try to figure out their email addresses or, I mean, I, that's the hard part of the job, I would imagine. Absolutely. That's where that's where connecting with them on social and, and utilizing LinkedIn and connecting with them. Uh, also, you know, for the companies that use um, you know, different types of banner ads or so redirecting re, uh, um, banner ads to make 
the, the company top of mind when anyone from the company, from their IP address and from the company website is, uh, company domain is looking at um, something online that those advertisements show up. So they're top of mind. Um, and of course, just picking up the phone and trying to network and speaking with them directly. So, you know, if you're using multi-channel, then um, that's really the best way to go after it. Mm -hmm. Especially in today's, in today's market where people don't necessarily pick up the phone all the time or they don't respond to emails. So if you have a 5% conversion on email, a 5% conversion on telephone, a 5% conversion on, on LinkedIn uh, connects, eventually you're gonna hit at a, at a point where the people will respond to you. Yeah, well, that's why they call this work, right? <laughs> <laughs> because it is work. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is the reason why you don't necessarily want to give it to a field salesperson who really needs to, you know, spend their time face to face with, with prospects and doing quotes and, and so forth. Um, you know, you need to have a dedicated team that has the time and, and the, the know-how, how to engage with these, with the customers and the prospects, you know, directly and get, get them, uh, you know, your company top of mind because mm -hmm. everybody is doing it all of your comp all the competition is doing it so it's whoever does it the best and whoever does it the most efficient way is going to make the sale well it brings up some other things too about building trust and value and um and all these engagement strategies to get someone from consideration to desire right Right. It's what we like to call the nurture, the nurture bucket or the nurture process, right? Yeah. So, you know, once you identify a, uh, a prospect, whether if it's not really the right time, then you need to put them into a nurture process. So you need to make sure that you keep engaged, that you stay top of mind, that you have the right content, that you have all the different things to, to keep the people engaged until they really are ready to buy. And also that you have, and also that you have a system in place, right? A marketing tool or CRM that you can really track all of the engagement with this prospect. You can see, you know, when was the last time someone reached out to him? What did they reach out to him about? Did he participate in an event? Was it in regards to something, um, a download, a, a white paper or, um, you know, and, and really track like we do in, in our CRM, um, all of the history and the activity, the touch points as we like to call them, that we had with this prospect over the course of a year or even sometimes even more than that. And that's what we call nurture. And each time we call them, whether it's every three months or every six months, and again, this depends on the sales cycle and the sales value of the, the solution that we are proposing, um, you, you change, your, you change your, your scripting, right? You change the communication that you're presenting to them and you keep them, you keep them interested until they're ready to, ready to engage and buy. You bring up another good point I wanted to talk about, which is this cadence, right? Because we already, even though you guys are the experts at it with teleservices and appointment setting and, and qualification, things like that, it's still hard to get people on the phone. Do you put together strategies on cadences, for instance, email, then call, 
social yep. email, like a process of week one, week two, you know, Absolutely. that kind of thing. Yep. We call them exactly that sequences. And uh, we work with various uh, tools that allow for us to set up very sophisticated uh, sequences. And of course, every product, every client we represent has a different product and a different market. So the sequences will be different. Some of the uh, tools that we like to use are outreach, which does an excellent job when it comes to uh, sequences, setting up sequences, whether, whether it be uh, calls or emails, uh, another LinkedIn company connects. and LinkedIn connects. Uh, sales loft. These are all companies that do uh, these types of uh, activities. And then we integrate those, of course, with our own CRM and our own telephone systems. And it works seamlessly really to get the numbers up. Mm -hmm. yeah, it is a process. And of course, it probably you do a lot of testing as well, I would imagine to see um, which um, order works the best, or maybe at least try to gauge some sort of uh, um, I guess, trend that um, works best? I guess it varies by the company, though. Yeah, well, we do A-B testing on, on the emails that we drop, on the content, so we're able to see all the messaging and see what's, you know, resonating the best, uh, depending on the, um, the, the path that we're taking. And, you know, from there, we, we try to tweak it over time and build it out so this way you know it gives us the best results and you know as sabrina said we um you know we try to leverage off the technology because it just en enhances our the volume that we're able to to handle instead of doing everything uh, the old-fashioned way of everything being manual um, so if you know we're able to to leverage the technology and then utilize the the right content and the right messaging and bringing it all together then um, you know we're able to really reap the rewards let me go in a little more detail with uh, what happens with the name after it's captured right because I know there's different strategies here you know with companies with marketing automation before leads go in the CRM because they not be qualified yet right so there's, uh, I guess there's different strategies, right? Like if it's just the name, you have to qualify them, obviously, but perhaps the nurture does qualify them if they reach that threshold, right? You could send them like multiple emails or papers and webinars, whatever, right? And if they're opening emails and click, then maybe more engage with your company. And then you have a threshold, I guess, of a lead score that might alert a salesperson because of that integration, that this person is interested more, give them a call. Is that a typical scenario? It is. Uh, it's, it's a little um, abstract when it comes to um, the way we would actually engage. So if, if we're just starting with a name, then we like to um, recommend working with uh, progressive forms. So this way you can capture a little bit of more information each time they do download something. So eventually you can get the full picture before engaging with them, you know, directly over the phone uh, or, uh, you know, having that human touch. But um, yeah, ultimately you're trying to, to score the, that contact and here we're talking about a contact, but you can also score um, a company from an ABM standpoint and see how many people in the company are actually engaging 
on different uh, topics of, of content. But you also have to have enough content to be able to keep that process going. So if you have a lot of content, then it gives you the opportunity to be able to do that. If you're uh, a little um, short on content, it makes it very difficult to do ABM and, and you know, scoring. Well, you're bringing up a whole nother scenario here of content, right? And it's probably another topic, but just to uh, cut to the chase here. Now I've done this with clients in the past. We talk about earlier on about people who fill out forms may not be the decision maker. And we talked about other ways to find decision makers. Now, one thing we didn't mention, now I know globally it's a little harder to do than the United States is using programs like Zoom Info, Discover Org, things like that to actually capture email addresses of higher level people and even put them in a CRM or a marketing automation and send them content that appeals to the C-level. It's kind of like an ABM email program, but do you want to touch base on that and, and the ramifications of that kind of strategy? Jeff, I'll let you get into that because for us in Europe, it gets very complicated because of the GDPR, yeah, which is that thought. wonderful, right, right. Um, so I'm going to let Jeff, I'm going to bow out gracefully here and let Jeff take the lead because he's much more prepared on the, uh, on the GDPR than I am, uh, but it's definitely a challenge. GDPR or not GDPR, even for the U.S. market, it's a challenge. Yeah, in, in the U.S. market, you start dealing with the, the laws that they're implementing in California and other states are starting to implement um, some privacy laws when it comes to emailing and, and, and data and keeping people's names. But in Europe specifically, it's very, very difficult when it comes to uh, GDPR, um, which is a data, uh, data protection um law for individuals and that takes them all the way through into businesses for you to be able to uh, gather collect and and basically scrape data together and just email people and keep them in your database so it's very very illegal to do it um, in Europe and it makes it that much more difficult to engage with prospects without them having um, giving permission for you to actually engage with them. So you have to have a, um, you have to be able to identify that the contact that you're reaching out to is actually a viable contact and actually is in the right decision, um, decision um, making authority, has the right decision making authority um, and that the company would have the right infrastructure to be able to purchase your solution. So you can't just randomly collect a whole bunch of emails and spam them the way we used to do, um, you know, years ago, um, not so far uh, in the past. And, you know, hope that people will open up your emails and, you know, respond or download your content. Now you have to selectively choose who is the right person. Are they from the right company? Can you make a case that the contact that you're contacting is a viable contact and can be interested in your solution? Then you can engage with them. 
but you can't send them any type of solicitation content or marketing content. You can only engage with them to say, if you're interested in our company, please let me know and then we can engage with you or you can engage with us. So it's creating, we, I think we would need to have a, another two hour session just on GDPR and privacy um, to really dive into it. But the, the, the rules of the game have changed dramatically. Uh, in the States, they're slow, slowly changing, but also uh, not just in Europe, but other countries are starting to implement very similar rules to, to Europe when it comes to data and privacy to uh, not be able to just randomly choose data and email people and solicit them and spam them and so forth. So, um, yeah, I mean, it is a challenge for sure. And just, I know there's plenty of companies and like discover org or zoom info. And of course they're together now and we see his ranking and other things like that. Um, let just keep an eye on that. We're almost done here. I maybe have a couple more questions here, which is, the uh, let's go back to the qualification which is the focus of this and you guys are expert at it for sure you know we talked about band qualification and things like that is also part of the same conversation with the inside sales obviously is to set up demos and trials is that going too far too fast or what's the typical um, process or approach to the goal for that first phone call well, the, the goal for the first, it, it really depends on the solution. So if, if you have a very simple solution that is sold uh, on a per user base or um, does not have a very large um, expenditure, then, you know, if it's sold in a SaaS way where people can just give you a credit card and, you know, run with it, then of course your goal is going to try to be qualify them, get them into a demo and get them to, to buy. Most of the solutions, especially the solutions that we're representing for our clients are big ticket items. So solutions that would cost, you know, anywhere from $20,000 uh, or euros to multi-millions of dollars. So you're not going to, jump right from a qualification call into a demo into expected uh, closing of a deal. But for smaller solutions, um, that might be part of the, the sales cycle. It's a very short sales cycle that you can take it right from a potential interest right to getting a person's uh, credit card details and making the sale after a quick demo, showing them the solution. Um, it really depends uh, on, on the on, on the solution and the cost of sale. Okay. Other than that, though, is there any other, based on your experience and um, and your clients, is there any other best practices in general about what to do with that name and the strategies of? getting them through the funnel. Um, do you want to just maybe talk broadly on um, best practices, I guess, if you want to use that phrase or, or just what you've learned about the best way to, to manage leads like this? 
I think I think it is very broad. I think uh, if we just want to look at a real quick closed loop 360 degree solution would be to assess the data that you get in terms of what's coming in on your web form, what's coming in from those um, from those from those leads, uh, depending on how much information you have and how much value those that information can bring you in terms of determining where this person fits in the sales cycle of your product or your solution, reach out to them whether it's uh, field sales or an external agency like 3 d to b put them through some kind of a qualification process that determines um, needs where they are in terms of the buying cycle, which talks about going back to the BANT criteria, which is basically, do they have a budget? Do they have needs? Do they have pain points? Uh, is there a real reason from a, from, a, from a sales standpoint for them to engage with sales? And then pass all of that information or that lead scoring, that lead qualification scoring, and I, I want to stress the word qualification, to your salesperson to then engage. Um, they should then have enough information from the initial inbound activity, the contact us form, to the qualification information, to the, um, to the point where they can then engage directly with the salesperson, uh, whether it be via phone call or face-to-face -face or a webinar or a WebEx. Um, and of course, throughout this whole process in the back end, you want marketing automation, you want um, CRM, you want, um, sequences email and email and, and phone sequences so you want the technology to help you fulfill this inbound lead hopefully through to the qualified opportunity where get, it gets put into forecast and pipeline for a potential sale down the road hopefully that made sense yeah it did great <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. well it's Jeff, any other closing on your end? No, I think that the um, the, the main the main point I that I would want to to make to people is to really think about what is the value of your solution. Um, to try to understand what your buying cycle is for the your your solution, um, and, and build it out from there. So if you have a solution that is, you think going to be a quick sale, then build out your solution where you can do it a, uh, where a one or two step closure, where if you have a solution that's a multi-million dollar solution, you're going to have to have face-to-faces, you're gonna to have to have a lot of content, you're gonna to have to nurture these people and really convince them that your solution is, is really right for their company because it's a huge investment. Um, so depending on you know, the solution, build out your stages and, and, you know, work it out from there and, and build out the qualification and the, the nurture and the ABM and put it all together as, you know, one big puzzle. Great. I'm glad you used the word convince in that last statement because that's our show, Fix to Convince. And that's our theme. And everything we're talking about is all in the convincing process. I mean, messaging convinces people to download or sign up and you know the convincing process is not just the words and, but it's the actions and the approach and the um and that's what you guys are great at so i wanted to um thank you thank you for uh 
being on the podcast today and learning more about this. There's really complicated when you think about it because of all the directions you could take. And it is, uh, it does take some time to work with marketing and sales together to have a cohesive strategy in this, right? Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. No, no one department can do it alone. Um, marketing can't do it alone and sales can't do it alone. They have to work hand in hand. Sure. And we've heard that before, right? So <laughs> we try. But um, you guys hang on for a minute. And I wanted to thank everybody for uh, listening today. And um, 3D2B.com is where you can find Jeff and Sabrina and and the whole 3D2B team and learn all about their services. More than just this, of course. Um, they really help. I mean, their goal is to take names and make them sales qualified and build opportunities to help close deals. So um, we'll be another podcast shortly, but thanks everybody for listening and have a great day. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Paul. Thank you again. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to get more marketing optimization insights. Fix the convince.